0: welcome to the mosh zone episode 32 week 32 volume 32 number 32 how you going guys how's your week been thank you for tuning in so this week we've got all the mosh news we've got mosh reviews and our mosh interview is with adam of hand of mercy and lit up all of that is coming up in the show So let's start as we do every week, and that is with the Mosh News. Australia got a brand new festival announced, and it's called Good Things Festival, and it's taking place in December this year. It's going to be playing in Melbourne on Friday the 7th of December at the Showgrounds, in Sydney at Parramatta Park on Saturday the 8th of December, and then finishing in Brisbane at the Showgrounds on Sunday the 9th of December. The lineup includes The Offspring, Stone Sour, All Time Low, Dropkick Murphys, Bullet For My Valentine, The Used, Baby Metal, Smith Street Band, Dashboard Confessional, May Day Parade, LUT Dispute, North Lane, The Wonder Years, Waterparks, Tonight Alive, Muir, Pale Royale, Make Them Suffer, Wax, Boston Manor, Void of Vision and Eka Vandal. So I've seen a few people getting really excited about this, and that's good. Hopefully people will buy tickets. To be honest, for me as a fan of heavy music, there really is not much going on here that excites me. Stone Sour, I'm not really a fan. I am a fan of Slipknot. They're noticeable on this lineup. Dropkick Murphys, classic, classic punk rock band. And then it pretty much is nothing until... Emua, north lane and make them suffer so to be honest it feels very lackluster for me it's very much a warped tour feeling event that's going on in australia people are saying we'll get this every year i don't think we will this feels very much like the no sleep till tour that happened in australia in around 2010 i believe and that was a heavy lineup and that only lasted one year I think good things will end up being a one-off thing. If you are interested in all of that, tickets go on sale next Thursday. Get down, have a good time if that is your jam. So it is good things taking place in December. Grab your tickets. Album news this week came from Bloodbath, who will unleash their new album, which is called The Arrow of Satan is Drawn. And it is coming out October 26th. The Death Metal Legends slash Supergroup are releasing a new set of music. And it's been the first time in quite a while. So if that's your jam, if you do love your Bloodbath, if you do love your Death Metal, get onto that. The artwork also looks quite satanic as you'd expect. So that is Bloodbath. The album is The Arrow of Satan is Drawn. And it's coming out October 26th. We also got new album news from The Browning. They'll release their new album, Geist, on October 26th. And they have also released the first single. The album is coming out on Spine Farm Records. So The Browning, of course, are one of those bands that are still around that do that electro-metalcore breakdown music. It really feels like a rave with breakdowns, pretty much. So... If you've heard The Browning before, it is exactly what you'd expect. If you haven't, maybe give it a go. But if you don't like that dance music mixed in with your breakdowns, then give it a miss. So that album's called Geist. It is by The Browning. It comes out October 26th through Spine Farm Records and they have also released the first single. Atreyu have announced their return and they will unleash a new album called In Our Wake on October the 12th. To coincide with the news, they also released the title track as the first single. Don't know. It doesn't really sound like the old Atreyu. It definitely is a new direction for the band, but it's also hard to gauge what the album's going to sound like after one song. But it is a bit different. There has been quite an outcry online, people loving it or hating it. Make sure you check it out and let us know what you think. So that is Treyu. They've released the title track of their new album, which comes out on October 12th, and it is called In Our Wake. Album news this week also came from Bring Me The Horizon, who announced their new album will be called Ammo. It's going to come out January the 11th next year. To coincide with the news, they released a music video for their song Mantra off the album, and it is pretty much what you'd expect with Bring Me The Horizon nowadays. It is that very anthem-esque, very stadium rock music. Some people are going to love it, some people are going to hate it. For me, it's not really my jam, but there is a lot of people that will like it. So that is Bring Me The Horizons' new album is called Ammo, coming out January the 11th. And they've got a new music video for their song, Mantra. This week, we also got new music from Warbringer. They have unleashed a thrash frenzy of a song called Power Unsurpassed that's out through Napalm Records. Revocation maintained their amazing form with the title track from their upcoming album called The Outer Ones, out through Metal Blade Records. And the last bit of news this week was British hardcore metalcore band Blood Youth released a brand new song and music video called Starve. We do know it will come off an upcoming album. Not sure any other details at the moment, but Blood Youth are one of those bands I think a lot of Australians should jump on board with. Really exciting band. And also, I will be speaking to the guys in the coming weeks. So that's it for all the MOSH news and... As always, if you want to stay up to date with all the album news, the album artwork, the new songs, the new music videos, the tours, the ticketing information, all of that jam, make sure you're subscribing to our website, liking and following us on social medias. Now, the website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at the Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you're liking, following and subscribing so you stay updated when we update you. It's now time for Mosh Reviews. First up this week is the new album by The Amity Affliction titled Misery out now on Roadrunner Records. First things first, it is 12 tracks and clocks in at around 45 minutes. And this is the sixth full length by these guys. Amini Affliction are the Emo Metalcore Champions of Australia, and this is their return onto the scene after a few years of lineup changes and some things going on in the background. Amity have always had a sound that is very cliche, very tried and tested. It's the call and response style. It's the beauty and the beast vocal delivery and they always have breakdowns and they always sing about hardships, broken hearts and depression. Without a doubt, they're a band that if you're looking for that style of music, you will get it. This time around, the band are looking to incorporate some different things. There's electronic moments, there's pop sensibilities. They're definitely aiming for the same levels that Bring Me The Horizon are currently on. Amity Affliction are looking to reinvent themselves and go on a new career path. Without a doubt, this album is not heavy and the least heavy they've ever released. This album will divide fans, some will love it, some will hate it. This album is radio-ready rock, easily accessible, very tame. But you have to give the band some forgiveness in that it is their career and after 15 years of doing the same thing, album after album, you can't blame them for wanting to change. But this album feels like a bit too much too soon. They've gone too hard out the gate with this change and I think it's going to turn a lot of people off. Lyrically, it is all the same. Song titles like Feel Like I'm Dying, Burn Alive, Misery, Black Cloud, Set Me Free. You know what you're in store with Amity and it is here again. Unfortunately, it starts to become very painful and pardon the pun, it is misery to listen to. I'd really love to hear Amity Affliction do something different lyrically. It'd be really good to hear them go down a different avenue. Fuck, I'd love to hear them sing about dragons or Game of Thrones. Anything except this emo nature that they continually spurt out album after album. This album made me depressed lyrically. I can understand it will help people, but I think after six albums it's a bit too much. Like we said, you have to give them props for giving it a go with changing the style, but unfortunately it comes across very bland, very lacklustre, and feels like they're just going through the motions. The passion and the energy that this band had and are known for is not heard on this album. Vocally, the guys do well, it's well performed, but it comes across very cliche and the polish on those clean vocals is very cringy. Very poppy, very pop-punk. This album will really start an interesting period of Amity's career. Where will they go from here? Will this be successful? Will they carry on from here? Hmm, I'm not sure. I think this is the start of the end. This album is well tried and a nice effort, but unfortunately doesn't hit the mark. This is for fans of early 2000s alt emo rock. This is for fans of The Amity Affliction, The Plot In You, Panic At The Disco, Bring Me The Horizon. The album I am talking about is Misery. It is by The Amity Affliction. It is out now on Roadrunner Records. And we do give it a 2 out of 10. Next album up for review this week is the new album by Nonpoint called X, out now on Spine Farm Records. Incredibly, Nonpoint have been going for over 20 years, and this is the 10th album in their career. Musically, these guys have always been around a few styles. There's new metal sensibilities, there's alt metal, there's alt rock. There's a bit of everything going on here. I would call these guys without a doubt at this stage of their career veterans and they deserve that tag, that mention. They have been able to carve out a career while so many have faltered and folded by their waysides. Nonpoint on this album clearly have a message and a purpose and go for it. It's really impressive to hear a band still go hard at it and still want to bang their message across into your eardrums non-points sound hungry for this musical career and they still have that fire burning and you hear it on every song across this album they're definitely not going through the motions the album has lots of blazing riffs head banging head nodding beats lyrical flow and lots of hooks the hooks are there in the vocal lines but also in the music like I said, they're at the start, they're the kind of in every style and every style is covered on this album. There's new metal, there's punk rock, there's anthems and sing-alongs, there's ballads, there's alt-metal. Bit of everything for everyone's want. On a negative side of things, you do have to admit this isn't breaking any new ground. This album isn't pushing the envelope, but this album is very entertaining and it's a rocking, good, fun time. This album is easily one of the best albums Nonpoint have ever delivered in their career and it's one of their most enjoyable albums from front to back. This is for fans of the new metal style. This is for fans of the fast, energetic punk rock styles. This is for fans of Nonpoint, Floor, 40 Below Summer. The album I am talking about is X. It is by Nonpoint. It is out now on Spine Farm Records, and we do give it a 7.5 out of 10. Last album up for review this week is the debut album by Jesus Peace called Only Self, out now on Southern Lord Records. First things first, this is 11 tracks, and this band formed in 2015. So far in their career, they've had a demo and they did a split 7-inch EP. Along with this, they're also a band that have had some impressive touring opportunities and shows so far in their very young career. They're a band that there's been a lot of attention from, not only fans but critics alike. And like I said at the start, this is their debut album. And what a fucking debut album they have delivered. This is thuggish, brute force, metallic, hardcore. Outstanding debut album. It has a feeling of comfort coming from somewhere familiar, but it also is very forward thinking and a very sophisticated metallic, hardcore release. The production on this sounds perfect for what's going on. It's not overly polished and it's not too raw. It's just spot on. This album is heavy as fuck, and it's crafted together with some spiteful, angry, ferocious riffing, atmospheric samples, interesting shifts in tempos, driving drums, butch, savage, sexy groove, enraged vocals that are brutal and raspy. It is fierce, intelligent metallic hardcore without a doubt and i'm going to say metallic hardcore a few times and already have but it really is the other thing this band do that's really impressive is when they do a breakdown it's perfectly timed there's not too much of it and it's not over the top but when they do them they're big and pit ready moments these breakdowns these moments will go off in a live setting I've also mentioned the groove before and it really is impressive. It's very swagger, very groove, very big fuck off. Throw on top of all of that, the eerie atmosphere and eerie samples that they throw in just adds a layer and a texture to everything going on. Overall, I can't find anything negative to really say. The only negative you could say is if you're not ready for the onslaught, maybe hold off because it really is unforgiving music. Overall this is an amazing uncompromising savage debut from a new hot band who haven't disappointed in the hype they've been delivered. They have proved that the hype and attention they're getting is worth it. This is for fans of metallic brutal hardcore. This is for fans of Code Orange, Harm's Way, Vain, Terror and more. The album I am talking about is Only Self. It is by Jesus Peace. It is out now on Southern Lord Records, and we do give it a 10 out of 10. So that's it for Mosh Reviews this week. Done and dusted. What did you think of our reviews? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Get in touch. Let us know is there something coming out that you want us to review or is there something that's already come out that we might have missed get in touch let us know are you in a band have you got an ep or an album on the horizon or has it come out and you want it reviewed get in touch let us know of course if you want to get in touch you can get in touch through the email address themoshzone at gmail.com also You can use our social medias. They are all at The Mosh Zone and we're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. But also don't forget we have got a website and that address is www.themoshzone.com. Get in touch. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. So it is that time of the week. It is time for our Mosh interview. This week I got to sit down with an absolute legend A brother from another mother, a very, very, very good mate of mine, Adam of Hand of Mercy and his new band Lit Up. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you, bro, for taking time out for me and The Mosh Zone. Really, really appreciate it. Absolute legend. Look forward to catching up with you very soon, dude. That chat with Adam is coming up now. Let's kick things off with... How did you discover music? I mean, what were you age-wise and where were you in life when you kind of went, ah, there's a thing called music?
1: I think I was about, oh, I would have been young, like eight years old, and I kind of started getting into pop music. Maybe even younger, more Michael Jackson. I always used to watch, like, Moonwalker Michael Jackson and uh, whatever Australian kind of pop artists were going on that time used to be like video hits and everything and I'd always just like even still now I still watch like music videos rather than tv I don't know my attention span is really short I guess so um yeah I guess it's like that's the only thing that catches my attention is something short a music video um I can just sit there for hours and kind of watch that type of thing and I don't know I just like I guess performers I don't know just entertainment in general and music that goes with it just really draws me in as a person. So
0: was that how you kind of, I mean, you're an avid, you know, hip-hop and R&B lover. Was that kind of when that started for you, or is that something that's just Hmm. happened over the years?
1: I think that's something that's happened uh, more recently. Like, I was, I guess growing up, you're, like, I was into, like, the whole Limp Bizkit, you know, Linkin Park side of things, and around that time, you always had, like, you know, M&M going on at that time and I guess I was it was always around me but I never took notice of it until maybe later on in life. So um yeah, I don't know. It started like when I really started taking on music was probably my brother um he was always you know around friends that would listen to like Pantera and you know um I guess I was around that crew a lot growing up where he's like 3 or 4 years older than me. So I was always around like started listening to metal around that time and i thought that was maybe you know the cooler thing because my brother listened to it so i wanted to be and you know with the cooler guys at that time and i don't know that that really drew me in like i don't know um yeah just the metal side of things then, then i started getting into my my kind of music that i like i don't know would have been like lincoln park with biscuit and all that sort of thing um, and I was really scared cause my brother said to me when I was, I think it was like 2000 and, um, yeah, he, he asked me to go to like Slipknot's first show ever. And I was like, that'd be sick, but I was just scared shitless cause I guess he was talking to me, talking it up like it was going to be the most scariest experience of my life. And, um, yeah, I just didn't go to it. And then there was a more low key show coming up, which was like, The Test Eagles, Sunk Loto, and this band Loki, three Australian bands, like from back in the day. And that was the first show I ever went to in my life. Uh, I think I was about 16 years old. It was the Iron Juke in Sydney. Um, And then ever since that happened, then, like, I just, I was addicted. I just went to shows every single weekend, two a weekend at least from that day forward. So that's where I guess I started getting into music, seeing.
0: So, when did you? Yeah. Oh, well, it, this will take you back a bit then because it might be Michael Jackson, but what was the first album you bought with your own money?
1: With my own money? Um, I wouldn't have had money that young, so I think the first thing I ever bought on CD was actually Limp Biscuit Nookie Single.
0: Oh, nice.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, school. I, from HMV in Hertzsprung, I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Showing <laughs> yeah, your that age there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah that was the first um I guess CD I ever bought and then just started building from there quite young probably about 14 15 whenever that came out I don't really remember but yeah that was the I think that was the first time I ever bought a CD
0: So you're you're now going to shows you're in your you know probably very influential period of your life you know 16 17ish when yep. when did you pick up the guitar like was this already going on
1: guitar at this stage or was it around Not- this time Really, my I think my brother found like a an acoustic guitar it had about three strings on it, in like one of those council cleanups, and it had the back <laughs> just like snapped out of it. And I actually just started playing like the top string on that. Um, I had no training whatsoever, so yeah, I just started like plugging away at that, even just playing the top string as much as I can. Um, and then I think I got a job around the sixteen-year-old mark, and then I went and bought like an Ibanez. Um, you know, six string guitar. So, um, yeah, I started like training up on that. Got like a little bedroom warrior amp sort of thing. And back, yeah, I just wanted to play you know, with power chords and all that type of shit back then. So, um, yeah, I started just training myself really. Um, listen, try and like learn songs by ear. I never really knew how to read music, or I still don't even really know how to read music or tabs. Shit. So they. Yeah, still confusing me, hey. So like anything, well, majority of the music I listen to isn't too techy anyway. It's very just, um, very straightforward type of stuff, which is the type of music I like anyway. So yeah, I just started learning, um, yeah, by myself, basically, and then got together with a few friends throughout life, and then we'd write together, where it be a bass player, a singer. Um, yeah, me and my brother started a band when we were about, when I was real young, I was probably just about to turn 18, we're called Complex 8. <laughs> um, I was I was the singer of that band. I used to wear like a <laughs> so stupid, like a schoolboy uniform on stage.
0: What? It was, yeah, it was
1: ridiculous. <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculous.
0: <laughs> Did everyone wear schoolboy uniforms? Or were you no, the only I one? think
1: oh, I think my brother's got photos of it like somewhere. It's just yeah, it's pretty pretty yeah, horrendous. But you know, I d I didn't know what to do at that age. You're in you're in a band, you just yeah. You're just, just doing, to, you're just
0: doing it for the fun of it, really.
1: Yeah, exactly, man. Like and it was. It was super fun. That never really did anything. I think we played like, you know, a band comp event and that was at the end of it. We only wrote like four songs. So um, who, who was the
0: influence musically wise that made you want to play guitar? I mean, of all the things you could have picked up and you were seeing, was it was it someone like Wes in Limp Biscuit or was it just no real influence at all.
1: Um, no real influence at all. Like, um, I thought Wes as a guitarist, he never really uh he made more noises than actually played guitar. Like mm-hmm. guitarist wise. I couldn't even think. Like I really loved Sunk Lodo back then, so the guitarist Sunk Lodo. Luke, I believe it was. Yeah. I I really took influence from like his kind of because I was just a bit more like bouncy and like a bit more groove sort of thing where they probably would have got their influence from like more rage against the machine or I don't know. They were kind of like, I guess seen as the core ripoff back in the day, but mm. I didn't really see them as that. Cause I, I was never a massive, um, corn lover sort of thing. So, but everyone said they were kind of along those lines, but I, I would have felt like he got more of his influence from like Tom Morello sort mm. of thing. So yeah, I don't know. That's just me, you know, Doing your no, thing,
0: yes. um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So, <laughs> so what was okay? So you've had an attempt with Shay at doing the schoolboy mosh, I think we'll call it, <laughs> and then yeah, um, was... what is it? It was about two thousand and seven. The first EP came out, but I mean, had the band been formed long before Trash the Party came out? So yeah,
1: Hannah Mercy days. Um, it was. No, we took a long time. I remember it was about 2004 we started looking. It was me and the drummer Josh. And I met Josh. He used to be in a previous band called Unsaid, which were also kind of like a new metal kind of band back in the day. I used to always go to their shows, so I met him through that. And then I said to him, like, I'm starting kind of like a... I guess more along the lines of "I like, Kill the Prong Queen" sort of style band, mm-hmm. and he was interested because he was starting to get into that music around that time as well. So um, I showed him some riffs, and at the time, Shay, my brother, was in the band, like playing bass, and I think we all had a practice together, and it was me, Shay, and me, Shay, and Josh, and then yeah, he just started. Um, sorry... That's not good for you? I'm so sorry, bro. No, you're fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he, we went around to Josh's house and we started like, um, just having practices. I wrote about three songs at that time, and yeah, we just had like a bit of a bit of a jam. And I don't think Josh was too stoked on Shay because Shay didn't really have time to learn the song. So I don't think he was too stoked on Shay being in the band at that time, just because he wasn't too uh, well, well rounded with the tracks at that stage. Um, so I don't know, they had that conversation and Shay just ended up stepping aside anyway. And he's like, you know, I can't do this at the moment, or I'm not sure what really happened at that stage, but then we ended up looking for other members. So I started going around to like all the band practice, um, you know, places in the area and sticking up signs saying like our influences or whatever. And that's actually when we found Josh Campio, Mm. and he came to a practice, and yeah, we were just like, he was real young then, like 16 years old, I think I was about 18, no, I would have been like 23 or something. So he was real young, and um, he rang Josh first, and I remember Josh saying, like, I don't know, man, it's kind of Adam's band, like, give him a call. I said, yeah, dude, come on down. He ended up living in like the same suburb as me, which was really weird. Um, and I was like, yeah, come on down, gave him the demo. He wrote the songs and we had a practice, um, yeah, with him a few times. And I just really liked him cause he was real keen and, um, you know, he was, had real good buy into the band. Like he always wanted to do everything we wanted to do. So he was really, um, it was ended up just being us three for about a year and a half. We couldn't find a singer. We couldn't find, um, yeah, couldn't find a bass player, a singer for about a year and a half. Jesus. And that's about the time we, we went to like a hardcore fest or something in Sydney. And, um, Josh, our drummer actually started talking to Scott bird. And he's like, we've got a band going at the moment. I don't know if he's He's like, actually, no, Scott said he knew a bass player or a singer as well. We they could both come down and, you know, both try out sort of thing. So that ended up being like Adam Vandenbosch and Scott bird. They came down to a practice and yeah, it was just kind of fun at the start. Like, bit flimsy, we'll just like have a few practices and then I think it was we yeah, after about a year and a half of having no one, we got our first show maybe about three or four months after we got them two in the band. And um yeah, played our first show as um yeah, Josh Campio ended up getting us a show. So yeah, it was just this kind of low key all ages mixed bill show. It's real cool though. So yeah, that's when we started playing, I think it was about two thousand five, two thousand six. And then that's when we started writing for Trash the Party, I believe.
0: Yeah, and then Trash the Party came out and, I mean, it was it was a few songs. I mean, five songs and they were probably ones that were staples in your set by the time that came out. Now, yeah, I mean, we'll get to how the band went later on with how it suddenly, you know, you guys became very much a local household name, whether you want to admit it or not, but you did. But at the time during Trash the Party, did you see that you guys could make something of this, or was it kind of like, oh, we're just going to have fun and just wing it?
1: Um, Yeah, to be honest, just having fun and winging it, I had no idea. Like, I really wanted to push something musically all my life, and I guess... um, it was weird to me because people were coming out to shows and actually enjoying musical writing together where I didn't think that would ever actually happen. I just thought like getting on a local support for, you know, like Prom Queen or, you know, one of those bands back at that stage was like the biggest thing to me. And if that ever happened, I would have been stoked to leave it at that and I would have been fine with that. But yeah, it kind of like took over itself. And we always used to play like a club in Sydney and always had like Hot Dam and Trash and all that type of thing. And every time we played Trash, it would just go like, it was chaos every time we played there sort of thing. And I was just like, I know they're small club shows, but, you know, when you start out seeing like kids, just losing their minds to music you've written, you get, you know, it's like a bit overwhelming. You're like fully stoked. So I guess that makes you want to push what you're doing a little further, just because you can see people actually, actually interested in what you're doing instead of just like, you know, if you're playing a, a bunch of shows and just no one really gives a shit. And I don't know, maybe you wouldn't push it so hard. I I, I have no idea. But yeah. yeah. I, I think,
0: I think so. I mean, you guys, um, you came on my radar with the next EP, um, scum of the earth. And, yeah. you know, do you feel like you started to, I mean, trash the party. I mean, you, you felt like you guys, I felt like you guys weren't sure of your sound yet. No, not at all. (laughs) You were still, you know, mucking around with things, but that's always the way with early bands, you know, when they start out. But scum of the earth, it felt like you guys found your sound, Whatever, whatever people want to call it. Some people call it hardcore, some people call it metalcore, but you started finding your sound, and at that stage it was kind of a reasonably solid lineup as well. You guys had been a consistent same people for a while um yep this stage of the band which is what 2008 to 2010 before the next release um is this when you started getting bigger shows you started to play interstate i mean what's going on in, in this stage of the band
1: well um i think even trash the party we were trying to like play shows i know we played shows interstate we played Um, two Melbourne shows, I believe back at that point, there was no one at any of the shows, but (laughs) I was really pushing for any bands around, like, I guess, you know, kind of in we all started around the same time trying to push for us to play shows in their state as well, or bring, you know, trade it out sort of thing. They come to Sydney, we go there. Um, but yeah, I think it would have been people were starting to get more interested in us after we dropped um, Scum of the Earth sort of thing it just took a long time for that album to actually get the release because that was the first time we ever signed with a record label as well and I guess with Trash of the Party it was self-released so it wasn't like we're waiting for someone to release our album so we had Scum of the Earth like ready to go for probably six months before it was even released um, it was just like a a label thing that was or distribution thing that was holding the whole thing up so I was like trying to push it the whole time to come out sooner. And like, we had a release date, and I think three months after the release date, that actually came out. Fuck. So, yeah, that was a bit of a huge pain in the ass. So, that's like, I guess I had a friend that's like, uh, he was the bass player of One Bite a Word. And he always said to me, like, should just run your own ship. I guess back then, like, if you get a label, you're like, this is sick. People, mm-hmm. you know, you think it's going to help you out. But um. Didn't really is like no one cares about he said to me like no one cares about your band more than you care about your band and that's totally true because like you're the one trying to push this thing you're waiting on someone else trying to help you out like that's not their main priority in life they got other things going on so yeah
0: it yeah, became it's... a bit of a pain
1: in the ass so i was just like trying to push um scum of the earth then like you know we just weren't getting the love sort of deal which kind of sucked but um did it slow yeah, you down?
0: It, Did it slow down any momentum? That delay in the release, I yeah,
1: I think so. Like, because we wanted to have like show releases and all that sort of thing, and like as a band, I guess you get a bit disheartened with all that sort of thing going on. And you just like, you know, you want to you want to get the momentum going, but you're being held back by something that's out of your control, really. And I'm sure maybe the um, you know they're trying to push it to make it all happen. To your advantage, but you know, some things are just out of your hands. Like I don't I don't know what the go is with distribution, to be honest with you. It's just I've never had to do it personally myself. So I don't know how hard that is to actually do. Um but yeah, I think like after that actually did finally come out, we started getting a bunch of shows. We started actually playing shows with like um in a bigger venue out here in Sydney called the Manning Bar, we started um playing shows with like the Amity Affliction. Um uh Bury Your Dead we played with as well. Whole whole bunch of bands were coming through and we're getting all the local supports for that, which was good. Um yeah. So mm-hmm. it started picking up definitely after that.
0: Something a bit of a side note, have you noticed <clears throat> this is I think something that you guys need to you know, tip your cap at. Have you noticed that those two EPs I'm not even fucking joking. They're on, you know, those Facebook groups that people say, you know, we, we're we here to sell CDs, hard to find CDs. Do you know yep. that those two EPs people are trying to sell for like 100 bucks, 150 bucks? <laughs> Holy
1: shit. Dude, I'm, they're I'm, all rare. I'm pretty sure like, they'll only have a 500 copies for us to trash the party. I'm not sure how many scum of the earth, but that's, that's mental, man. It's a, that's fucking, even...
0: it's a trip, dude. Like, <laughs> I know. It's really good. Like, that's a sign that, hey, like. What you did after those EPs, so many people love that they want that, you know, I want the whole collection kind of vibe. Um, it's chaos, man,
1: yeah. It's, it's really
0: Because cool. I had someone I know on one of those groups, he's from like Italy or something, and he's like, oh, you know Hand of Mercy? I was like, yeah. He's like, do you have their EPs? I was like, yeah. He's like, I'll oh, offer you 150 bucks for Trash the Party. And I was like, nah, sorry, mate.
1: I mean... That's mental, man. I'm like, yeah.
0: I appreciate the offer, but I'm a collector and no. Um, no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it, is a, it is a real hard CD to come. I've only got one myself, so I don't even have a backup. I did. can't lose it myself, really, yeah. That's and one is so Scum of the Earth as well. They're
0: gems. Never sell Yeah,
1: hard to, hard to come across, Ian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and clearly, if you need some quick cash, you
1: know where yeah. to sell it. So Yeah. Um, nah, hold on to that one. It's good for memory.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, rolling into, like, the probably... I'd say the moment you guys kind of, I know the next album, you know, your album, Last Lights, really made you a name, but I think Fallout was um, amazing at the time for you guys in 2010. You guys, um, you know, you were signed to Dogfight Records, so you changed labels up. Um, Now, wow, it was... You guys now, I feel, were up there when people were saying local bands. You guys were one of those not only regular touring bands and regular support bands or headlining bands, but everyone knew who you were around this time. Did you feel that that album was pivotal in the band's career?
1: Most definitely. I feel like um around that stage was probably... Um, I guess we're getting to our peak as well. Um I, that was that was awesome even just recording that. That was so much fun. Like I think we all came together as a band at that time and we we're taking a lot of influence from the Ghost Inside. I was just loving that band. So I was writing along the lines of the Ghost Inside, so we probably came out sounding a bit too much like them. But um yeah, that was real fun doing that. Um and it was just, I think we we're just all happy as a band seeing... The progression of it happening, and like we're all starting to have the tour a lot more, and you know get away from work as much as we could, and all that type of deal. I guess like around that stage, we're all having to find jobs that were like would let us tour. I guess that was a hard thing, a bit stressful for any musician. I guess that mm. so was doing that transition of actually, all right, if we're gonna do this, let's let's go balls to the wall with this sort of thing. So we all started kind of setting up our lives to try to become a touring band, I guess. Um, takes a lot out of you, like financially and stuff like that. So, um, But it was just exciting because we were starting to get like um, Australian tours and just offers from overseas that weren't good. We couldn't commit to them at that stage. But, yeah, it started coming along real good. I think even after that, we kind of, close towards Last Life, just about to be released. We got like a National Parkway Drive tour, which is
0: Yes, nasty. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I think Super that massive, was, man. was that just was that when that Parkway tour was that after you dropped um, Absence Makes a Heart go go wander or was it just before no
1: because we um actually we recorded the film clip for that um, yes that was it That's on the Parkway tour so nice. yeah it would have come out just after I'd say
0: now you were saying how with um the fallout you know you felt like you know you're starting to feel like a proper band and yeah you know, everyone's coming together but then there was some shifting before yep. before last lights came came out suddenly yep. you know there's some new members in the fold um yeah and it's a different lineup now i mean say what you can but what you were saying how career started to have to be kind of worked around and obviously lives have to be worked around music was that part of why there was suddenly a shift with Um, the drummer and the bass player of the time? Yeah, I believe
1: so. Like, Josh... I don't know if Josh ever expected it to do... Josh Zimmer, the old drummer. I don't know if he ever expected it to do so well. So maybe, like... um, He had, like, a good job going on. He got married around that time. You know, I think they just bought a house together. So he had a lot of things to commit to money, like, financially. So... I can, I can understand why he stepped aside just because we were all still, he was older than us as well. He's about three years older than the rest of the band. Um, I guess he was just at that stage in his life where he was trying to, you know, settle, not settle down a bit, but, you know, he couldn't commit to what we all wanted to commit to at that stage. And I don't know if you enjoyed like sitting in the van for hours on end from <laughs> state to state. I remember we were about to head down to Adelaide one morning and we had to wake up at like 6am and he just came up and he's like, hey, Adam, what if I just, like, went home right now? (laughs) Uh. I'm like, dude, I'd I'd fucking hate you. (laughs) Like, don't do that. And um, I think the next day, I can't remember if it was him, but I think he just caught a flight home from Adelaide. And that was kind of the, we could see the signs of, like, yeah, I don't think Josh is digging the tour in life too much. So I guess I just asked the question, he came through, and he was just kind of like, yeah. And I think we were getting Cullen to fill in for a lot of shows just before that was happening as well. And Cullen was just young and hungry, man. Like he just he just wanted a tour. That's all he wanted. So a fucking yeah, it was drama too. It was two yeah, two opposite sides of the spectrum. Um but yeah, Josh is lovely, man. I just understand he couldn't do it at that stage in his life. And that's totally fine. That that kinda comes with being in a band, you know? It's frustrating being in a band with someone, you're just not expecting change and then change happens and then, you know, it's not not as bad as you really think it's going to be.
0: And what so, about um, Adam stepping out of base and then getting Dawson? How did um, all that come about?
1: Well, that was actually before the Parkway tour as well, because Adam said um, he couldn't do the tour due to work, and we kind of said, um, I think he stepped aside for maybe another show before that. And, yeah, it was just that time where it's just like we started having to just be like, if you can't do – like do it all or don't do it at all sort of thing so yeah I didn't want to have every tour with different members all the time it was time to find to start finding members who were going to just do the whole thing like whatever it took they'd just get get it done for the band you know so um, yeah I guess I think I rang him just because of the job and then he turned down one or two tours and then yeah I just kind of had to say to him well like yeah you got to do all the shows or just don't do them and all sort of thing and came to an agreement that he couldn't really do it at the time either so he stepped aside and i think we're all sitting around because he said he couldn't do the tour and dawson was actually we went to like a bar and we're saying like who can we get as bass And we couldn't think of anyone meanwhile dawson's been in like a band for years playing bass and we're just sitting there brainstorming like who can we get like had no idea left the bar all still stumped of like who can we get and then the next day it just clicked in my mind, I'm like, Dawson plays bass. But Dawson booked us at that time. So he wasn't really like um i d I'd never thought of him as a member in the band. I just always thought of him as like our booking our booking guy type of thing. So yeah, it was the next day. I gave him a call. I was like, Dude, you play bass. Like, why didn't you say anything last night? And he's like, Oh, I didn't think you guys would want me, so <laughs> <laughs> And then um, yeah, I was like, It's done. You're you're playing bass, dude. So yeah, he took the I think that still was Parkway Drive, so I' uh, pretty
0: sick am Now that that album, Last Lights, that we've mentioned a few times, was also, I think, a massive part of it that made that 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 is when everyone speaks of a Hand of Mercy album, that's the one they speak of. Um, and I think part of it comes down to you guys going over to Massachusetts for it. Now, yeah, we recorded with um, yeah, sorry, man, Go with on. yeah with Shane. Um, yeah. Uh, how did that come about? Did you guys seek out that working relationship, or I mean, how? how yeah, how did it develop?
1: Um, it was actually Cullen, new drummer or mm. drummer CJ. for majority of the band. He just started shopping around for everyone. Like he was just hungry, man. He was. His um, attitude towards the band was just awesome the whole time. He started shopping around and just asking. Um, I think at the time we asked like whoever recorded for The Fallen Dreams and then I think um, In Hearts Wake went and recorded with. He asked the same guy that re- In Hearts Wake recorded with and he just started shopping around a whole bunch and we really liked um, Ghost Inside album. Bury Your Dead. Returners? No, re- yeah, he recorded Bury Your Dead as well and oh. one of the Ghost Inside records. I think it been,
0: Yeah, it would have been Returners. That was the, the big one at that time, yeah.
1: Yeah, he recorded that. So we were like, Well, we should he hit him up and we ended up going over there, um, yeah, just due to Collins shopping it out and we we're all like, sick, let's go to Boston and record a record, that'd be awesome. Um but yeah, that was the first time I ever went over to America as well. So now with, with that
0: hook up, um, you also on that album were on Unify. Now some people don't realise that, you know, in this climate sometimes paying for that kind of stuff is usually out of your pocket. Very rarely yep. are you given funding from a label. Um, yep. It's not as simple as it was in the 80s and you know 70s and shit. Now, yep. was that all out of your pocket or was it partly out of your pocket, that recording?
1: It was all out of our pocket because we got signed after we recorded that um, by Unified. So, yeah, that was... 100 percent out of our pocket but at that stage as well the band was making like a bit of cash in tours and um, merchandise and stuff like that so by that happening we kind of put a front of it from money we we're making off the band back then but actually flying over we had the that came out of our own pocket we had to pay for the flights um except like separately by ourselves not funded by the band so
0: now we with- with that label,
1: here, did yep. you
0: hunt it to them? Like, did you record it and then say, like, oi, have a squiz? Because why, why Unify, of, of all labels at the time? Because that album could have gone on anyone,
1: really. Um, yeah.
0: Why them? And were, were any other labels interested?
1: No, we took it to Graham at Resist Records first. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think he ever took really a liking to our band. He helped us out a lot, which is awesome. And I always, he was more of a mentor to me because ever since the band started, I always go into Resist Records and talk to Graham. And he was just always helpful and realistic of how a band should play out. Um, so um, I really wanted to get signed by Resist, but yeah, I gave him the record. I don't think he was too interested in it, I believe, and Unify was kind of up and coming thing so I think that was the next one we approached I think that would have been the best decision at the time for the band to sign with them so that's why we went with them
0: and how was your how was the relationship with Unify because they kind of they did support you they did push you quite a bit
1: yeah yeah they for tour wise and all that sort of thing it really um, yeah they really helped us out a lot if we wouldn't have been able to do most of stuff back then I guess like while you're in a band you want a lot more out of someone but you know, maybe it's just the band isn't making as much money as it could or there's well, other bands coming up that's doing a lot more.
0: It's because you, for you weren't singing about yeah. you, it's because you weren't singing about nature.
1: That's it dude. Yeah, that's, what it, that's what it comes down <laughs> to. You're not
0: singing about mountains and oceans, dude. That's what it came down to. Really. The reality. No. It, maybe maybe on the later <laughs> record. <another. laughs> it need, there needed to be more of that nature talk. Um you really interesting. No, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like, unfortunately, like sometimes you don't get the full backing, but you were getting the tours. Um
1: Yeah.
0: And then then this is the interesting part I want to talk to you about because then this unf- – it felt like there was so much momentum. I thought you guys were without a doubt going to just keep going from strength to strength. And then a bit of weird stuff went on. Um, yeah. You guys went back to America to record your next album, which was yep. Resolve. And yep. I remember we were in a car park in somewhere in Melbourne – You just got back recently. You were on tour with In Hearts Wake and someone else I can't remember. And this was when Scott was still in the band and you played a few of us, the rough mixes, sounding fucking huge. And next thing we know, you do that tour and then suddenly Scott leaves. Yeah. Now what what happened with him i i do i know personally the reasons why he left and yeah um anyone that's close to the band probably would but can you explain what happened with scott and why the sudden you know just recorded an album and then pulling the plug kind of thing
1: well there was just tension arising man like i think um we're just having difficulties with scott like he had the same thing i guess he had you know financial things going on and i think at that stage yeah, we we'll, we just weren't all clicking too well. We're just getting inside. we're fucking getting getting on each other's nerves, like, um, and we just thought it was best for that time, you know, maybe we part ways with each other, um, or maybe we just needed a break. We're just touring so much that I don't know. You spend enough time with someone, um, you just start getting the shits with each other, sort of thing, and that's what kind of started happening. I don't know what sparked it, but just at that stage, we we weren't all gelling too well. So, um, yeah, we just had that conversation and thought it was the best we, we part ways with each other type of deal. Um, shitty thing that happened. I, yeah, I wouldn't love to just continue on, but kind of out of our hands really is not much you can do. You know. And, and then the interesting
0: <laughs> part was you then, yeah, you, know, you got a new vocalist and then you re-recorded the vocals. Yeah. On the album. um, Was there, what was the decision behind that? Was it because we're doing a fresh start with a new vocalist, we should just have this whole album being a fresh start? Was there ever a thought of just releasing it with Scott on vocals?
1: Well, yeah, I think both versions of the album are sick, so, you know, it's a bit shitty. You have to go do all that and then come back and have to do vocals once again because, yeah, I think both of them have different dynamics, so you know, Scott's vocals are obviously real raw and heavy and then we had Nick, which is a bit more like still good but laid back a bit more and uh both the out I think they just sound completely different to each other, to be honest. Um but yeah, I just think all of us were just I think that was the band's decline like around that time, just all that shittiness just started happening and we all just get started getting real demotivated with it also. Um yeah, yeah I don't know. Was, I don't think any of us
0: were a good headspace at that time. Well, it was it it was it was, it was really a weird time because then, you know, Josh uh, Josh C decided to kind of like step out and join Hellions. Yeah. Um, and then you guys were, I mean, I remember seeing your tours before this album and you were getting good amount of people in the door and then you're starting yeah. to not see so many people in the door. Um, yeah,
1: definitely, man. It crashed a big time. Yeah, some bands can maybe pull off the singer change, but we just weren't that band. Hey, do you um, think?
0: Do you think that was maybe? Do you think Nick was the right choice? It's a question I got to um,
1: ask. It was like at the time we were having trouble trying to find someone, and Nick was real, real proactive at like getting mixes back to us and stuff. So at the time, it was kind of like we had to make a choice, or we were done anyway. So. Nick, yeah, Nick was the best of um the, the you know what we what we had then that Nick was the best, so, and he was doing you know everything we kind of needed to be done, he was doing it on time, and he was fast fast about getting down to Sydney and having practices with us, and then yeah, it's not until you tour with like people that you kinda start finding out like you know whether they're good enough to be in the band or not, and he totally was, I think um the demise of the band was kind of just Josh leaving and just, I was the only original member left of that stage, I believe. Mm. And it just kind of, everyone was just in a shitty headspace. I think it's just like this, it wasn't fun anymore. It was just started getting a bit like, yeah, what are we doing? Fuck it. Like, don't worry about it.
0: So, so yeah. Was that the, did you decide or was it a mutual decision of let's pull the plug? Um, because to, to the outside, to anyone who wasn't really in paying attention to the band, it would have felt like it just came suddenly. But as you said, it was a gradual, unfortunate progression. But what, what, who made the decision? Was it collective?
1: Yeah, well, it was... Um, I said we are going to do two more tours or something. And I think we got um on that Buried in Verona. That was the last tour we did. And we we're going to do that and then do the last tour. And... Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, fuck, the whole time I was in the band as well, I was just living in my mum's lounge room, which kind of fucking sucked. (laughs) So if we we weren't away, like, I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to be doing what I'm doing, like living in my mother's lounge room sort of thing. So I just got the better of me one day, and I'm like, I just said to the guys, like, fuck it. I don't care if you guys want to do a last tour. I don't. So this Biv tour is kind of, this is it for me. After that, I'm, I'm gassed, man. I'm totally done, hey.
0: Yeah, it and, makes, um, makes sense, man. Then
1: I guess we came That was probably a shitty thing for me to do, but at, at the time, like, I just, fuck, I didn't care anymore, man. I just wanted out, and you know, just wanted a normal life for a bit. So yeah, I just said to the guys, and they just said, "Well, you're not in, dude. Like, we're not, we're not doing a one after this either." So let's just pull the pin, and we did. And I had to let Nick know because they said, like, we want to get Scott back for the last tour, and. Yeah, as I said, just in a shitty headspace. Like I ended up texting Nick Bellringer, not I didn't give him the call, like yeah, I didn't think that was a nice thing for me to do. But at that time, like I just didn't have it in me to ring someone else because I was always the guy in the band that had to do the phone call to the to the member and kinda of talk to them and you know, it's never a confrontation's never a fun thing, especially when they've been working on something as hard as you have for that many years. So yeah, I just didn't have the heart to call him and say yeah, this is it, man. Like, we're getting the old singer back. Like, And I could have taken, he probably would have taken that as like, I sucked, I wasn't good enough. And it just wasn't that at all. It was just like, I don't know. Nothing was just working out in how we wanted it to. So we just, yeah, kind of pulled the pin.
0: And how was things with Scott on the last tour?
1: Totally fine, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I think we just needed time away from each other. Hey, that's all it was. Yeah, um,
0: I, I remember that tour, and you all seemed like a happy family again, which was yeah. kind of. I don't know, maybe part of that was that you guys knew it was the end of the chapter. Like,
1: yeah, know. exactly right. Well, yeah, it's just like all of us put in that much work, and then, I think sometimes you just need a time time away from what you've been doing for so long, and then you look back at it and reflect and go, "Holy shit, that was so sick!" But when you're in the when you're in the circuit, man, you don't really take that on board just kind of going with the going with the flow and yeah you don't realise how good you got it really so I don't
0: know and um, before we move on to other things to talk about one thing I've got to say um, or ask um, is the Hand of Mercy merch now apart from your brother being the cotton slinger and showing so much love all the time one thing I think about you guys you know you mentioned you always sold a lot of merch now, I think a lot of that comes down to how fun your designs and how fun it was to, like, own a shirt that had, like, Drake on it and said, hand to yep. mercy. Um, who, who really put the time and effort into the merch? Because some bands can just make very lazy merch, but you guys really kind of focused on it.
1: Yeah, um, I thought merch was always a fun thing to do. Like, I'd always... Enjoy a funny shirt, I guess. As as you mentioned, the Drake one where he has like, you know, a tattoo above his eye and he stretches whatever was on it. <laughs> um, yeah, we had like Humpty Dumpty sitting on like Hand of Mercy as a brick wall as well. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we had some dumb merch. Oh, I've still got. Yeah, I've i I still know.
0: got the Drake shirt. I've still got that. You one. still
1: got the Drake. Shirt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too funny. Yeah, I think we all just came up. Like I came up with ideas. We all just shoot ideas at each other, and then. Some of them get just get shot down and then others did come to light. So um yeah, I guess that's just how it went. We all collectively made merch decisions, so Oh, some of the best yeah. merch ever.
0: Um Thanks,
1: now, Rich. <laughs> Last last hand of
0: mercy question. Will we ever possibly hear Scott's version of Resolve?
1: Um, I don't think so. I never I don't think it ever got properly mixed. Maybe a few songs did, but um in order, like, we can't fund that to get mixed. Like, that was, we got some pretty big in- engineers on that album. So, yeah, to yeah, get yeah. it mixed by them people, yeah, it's not going to be cheap. Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe a few tracks, but I wouldn't say the whole album. Okay. All right. That, I had to ask that. Um, That's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, now, after all of this ended with Hand of Mercy, um, you obviously took time off. Obviously, yep. focused on life for a while. Yep. Did quite a bit of traveling. And one thing that you got into was, or you're still into actually, um, is becoming a DJ. Yeah.
1: Now, <laughs> Funny, that was... Co- yeah, go on.
0: How did that come about?
1: Columns. Um, I don't know. He just started doing it. He bought decks, and then... I uh, just go around to his house and we just fool around on him type of thing. And then we're friends with a guy who books DJs in Sydney, and he um actually put me on like a few shows. I was horrible to begin with, man. Just <laughs> woeful. Like I shouldn't. I feel like I still shouldn't be doing it now. But yeah, it's, just, it's just a bit of fun, I guess. Like we only do like low key clubs in Sydney anyway. So yeah, no biggie. It's I just like playing tunes. Um, yeah, it's no big aspiration of mine or whatever to become a Full time DJ or whatever, I'm still loving the guitar and the metal and all that type of thing. But yeah, no, it's cool to play like a hip hop jam every now and then. Um, You you don't ever
0: don't ever drop something metal into your set.
1: I'd love to. Well, the thing I want to do is kind of like there used to be a club here in Sydney called like Venom and Trash, and I'd love to do like another kind of thing like like a bit of a metal club because we don't have one here anymore. So. Yeah, like, I don't know, if we get something started up like once monthly like that here, that'd be awesome. I'd love to do that, yeah. If anything was to come from my DJing, that's as far as I'd want to push it, because um, that'd be awesome to have something like that in Sydney again.
0: Now, most importantly with DJs, what's your DJ name?
1: Uh, DJ, it's horrible. <laughs> okay, I,
0: I know it, I know it. I just I want you to say it. I'm not saying it, you have to say it.
1: It's um, DJ Riddy. <laughs> <laughs> As in DJ Ritalin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, did you give yourself that name or did someone hand it to you?
1: It was actually, we are talking about ADD one night or some, <laughs> with we yeah, we'll tell you like you need your Ritalin or whatever. And we just like came up with, yeah, DJ Riddy. And it was funny because we were calling Cullum that at one point. <laughs> And then he was just like, take the DJ Rudy name. I'm like, sure, why not? So, yeah, <laughs> <It's> ridiculous.
0: <laughs> now, after while this is all going on, something has recently come to light. Now, it was around, I think it was at was the end of last year or start of this year, there was some kind of teasings and something going on with you and CJ showing that you were recording music. Um, yep now how did you guys kind of decide that you know let's keep going or you know you know what i mean like where, when did it come in the process that you want to start music again
1: um i started i started working this real hectic job hey and i was doing like 60 hour weeks and i was just like man i just miss playing tunes hey and i've always wanted to start like my favorite bands have always been going back from when I was younger. like a new metal kind of era, where it was like Papa Roach, you know, Biscuit, Floor, all that type of thing. Head tea, another big one. And I was like, I want to start something like that. There's nothing really going on in Sydney or Australia, really, with like rap, rap rock influence sort of thing. So I just wanted to start something like that. Like, I don't know if it's going to do anything, go anywhere, but... Yeah, it's a bit of flight. It is a lot of fun. So um, we have some... We recorded with Troy from XMD Affliction Guitarist up in Queensland. Ooh. And, yeah. So we should be getting all the mixes back shortly. And then, yeah, we'll be releasing a song, I'd say, maybe August, October-ish kind of time. But so, Sorry, August, September kind of time. Is it going to yeah, be an EP? Yeah, it's going to be an EP. Five... Five or four tracks, I believe. And then we're going to record another single before the year's out as well. So we're just working on more stuff at the moment now.
0: So the band is called Lit Up. Now, where'd the name come from?
1: The name came from, have you seen Suits?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Uh, Lewis lit. you just mm-hmm. got, yeah, you just got lit up. That's it. <laughs> That's all we got. That's all we got it from.
0: <laughs> and it's so it's so new metal that it works. That's the thing.
1: It does work. Yeah, I think it's a real cool name. It's easy, simple, and it fits in between the category of biscuit and Lincoln Park. So you know, sits in there real well on the iTunes playlist.
0: <laughs> now the other question was when it came to writing the music um, at the time when. You know, CJ was kind of teasing a bit of it on his social medias. Uh, It looked like only you guys were involved, you two. Now, since it's gone on, we now know that there's four of you in the band. But who, did you guys co-write the music? You know, did you record guitars and bass? How did it all go down in the recording process and writing?
1: Yep. I recorded the guitars, bass, and I'm also the vocalist too. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, recorded them three, uh, CJ, he's actually Cullen. he's doing like, he's writing in another kind of EDMY sort of thing at the moment now. So he's really learned how to use all those, you know, pro tools, special effects, all that type of shit. I don't know how it works, but he wrote a bit of like synth over the top of all the songs. And it sounds real cool. Like even hip hoppy sort of influence type of things. And it sounds awesome. Hey, so he wrote all the synths and drums, um, beats for the EP. But yeah, I wrote all the so um, lyrics, the, the guitar and bass.
0: And you're, as you said, the vocalist. Now, you ready for the spotlight? You're gonna be in the spotlight yeah. now.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm so down, I can't wait, I'm so excited. We actually have our first show lined up with Bare Bones at Frankie's Pizza on the 18th of August. So, yeah, I'm just excited. Like, yeah, I'll, my favorite, you know, new metal vocalist of all time is Jacoby Shadix from Papa Roads, like I just love his energy, rawness, like just he just always looks so you know, just energized on stage, man. I love his enthusiasm as a front man and he's yeah, I just wanna kinda bring that to a stage. It just looks fun, you know.
0: Now, who are the other two guys that have since you know, but you've announced the full lineup, but who are your other yep. two members playing guitar and playing bass?
1: Um, just friends of mine really. Um, Nathan used to be in a band with Dawson actually. Um I believe they were called the Salvages or something, but they were more like a punk indie band an indie band sort of thing. So um he was just always into the same music as I always was. He's of the same age as me. And I think he, he plays he plays the guitar, so we just started like having a bit of a jam together and he started playing like the lit up songs that I showed him. And I was like, Do you have a guitarist like, do you wanna give it a shot? And he has we've had like Two practices now, and yeah, the bass player as well actually met at a job while I was in Hander Murphy's to be in a band called Past His Practice. Mm. And yeah, he's generally, he's usually a guitarist, but he's playing bass in this project. So yeah, so what's... that's just how I know him.
0: What's the goal with Lit Up? Are we um, looking to dominate the airwaves? Are we gonna? Is it gonna be like just a fun project where you play shows occasionally, or are you gonna try and get it to the stage where it's a touring machine?
1: Um, if it becomes like that, awesome. But I don't think it will. Um, but if yeah, I just think at this time, at this stage, it's just yeah, the you know. A show here and there, have a bit of fun with the guys, and that's really it at this point. Unless you don't really know what to take of it until you release the songs, which we haven't done yet. So I guess we'll see how the public, you know, takes a liking to it or not, and just go with the flow. I guess.
0: I think it's got to be exciting for you just to be
1: back doing what you love. Really. Yeah, can't can't wait, man. Absolutely looking forward to it. Hey, I'm stoked. I can't wait.
0: And um, now, by by the time this comes out your first song will be out and yep. is it, it's on Spotify, iTunes. Is it going to be on Bandcamp as well?
1: Yeah, we'll chuck it up on all socials. Okay. Um, yeah. So the first, um, first song we're going to release, we've actually been doing a bit of a clip, just me and Cullen for it. Um, it's going to be called triggered. So that's yeah, a pretty, pretty energetic song. Um, should be coming out. I don't know. Next few months. Haven't really got dates yet, so that's what kind of sucks. But yeah, no, coming but
0: soon. It's gonna be it's gonna be exciting, and it's about time you got back in music, dude. It's really yeah, really, really you, man. Good Appreciate to see it. You. Now, of course, um, before we get into the last segment. So as I've said, lit up. That's Adam's new band. Get online. Get on your social medias. Give the band a like and a follow, and get on those streaming and downloading services. And do yourself a favor. And also of Mercy, all of that music can be found online as well. Now, last segment I do, brother, it's called Pick Your Poison. Now, yep. you've got two choices, and whatever you pick is what you get for the rest of your life. Okay. Yes. Some are easy, some are hard. Okay. Right, we're going to start off. Pizza or burger?
1: Pizza, dude.
0: Okay. Chicken or beef? chicken oh he's finding it easy so far beer or whiskey beer okay cinema or on the couch
1: on the couch
0: cooking or dining out
1: yeah dining out okay
0: skateboard or rollerblade
1: rollerblade dude
0: Fuck yeah <laughs> old school beach or snow
1: beach ps4 or xbox Ooh, they both suck. Um, I don't play games. We'll go with the X. We'll go with the Xbox. Why not?
0: That, that's <laughs> the most controversial thing you've said all interview. Um, <laughs> cat or dog? Dog. Definitely. All right. Terminator or Predator?
1: Terminator. Ooh. We got a Terminator tattoo, actually.
0: <laughs> Freddy or Jason? Freddy. MacGyver or Walker, Texas Ranger?
1: Walk a Texas
0: ranger. Star Wars or Star Trek? Yeah,
1: once again, they suck. <laughs> I'll take Star Wars.
0: <laughs> I just love the honesty. Um, <laughs> S- Sly or Arnie?
1: Arnie, sure.
0: Okay, music ones. Slayer or Pantera? Pantera. Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Corn or Limp Bizkit?
1: stupid question we're <laughs> <Limp Bizkit.
0: laughs> sabbath or van halen sabbath okay uh mosh pit or up the back watching
1: up the back watching yeah. go back go back 15 years it would have been the other way around
0: those. yeah i got nowhere near a mosh pit nowadays yeah, <laughs> yeah dude Fuck i'm out that. of that no touring or recording touring last one cd or vinyl cd adam brother from another mother thank you so much dude sick fucking chat. no problem man (laughs) too easy so that was my chat with adam of hand of mercy and lit up thank you so much homie really appreciate you taking time out for me and the mosh zone it was an overdue chat and so glad we were able to get time to do it one thing that you might have noticed in there is we at the time weren't allowed to discuss it but it has become news that Hand of Mercy are doing a one-off reunion show at Unify next year so make sure you check out Adam and the boys when they smash up the stage early next year. The other thing is we had hoped at this time that Lit Up would have released their first single. Unfortunately there's been a bit of a hold up, bit of a delay with the mixing and mastering process but keep your eyes on our social medias because we will be releasing it when it finally gets released so thank you again adam absolute legend much love much respect brother and that is it for the mosh zone episode 32 we're done and dusted it's in the can we are wrapped up for this week hope you enjoyed the show If you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sticking in to the end. Hopefully, you come back and listen to future episodes over future weeks. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in. Much love. Thank you as always. Now, if you've got time this week, guys, as always, we ask that you help us spread the word about the Mosh Zone. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family... If you've got time, share it on your social medias. Share it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Help us spread the word. Help us get out to more listeners. Also, as we always say, and we have to remind you, don't forget, we have a website, social medias, and an email address. Our email address is themoshzone at gmail.com. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. And our social medias are all at the mosh zone. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So that's it. Thank you for tuning in. Have a safe week. We'll see you next week.
1: Open the press.